0: Welcome to What Catholics Believe. This is a special edition of the What Catholics Believe program to address the uh, recent exhortation given by Francis as a final statement on the Council of the Amazon. As you know, the Amazonian Council or Synod took place in the Vatican during the month of October. And uh, it was preceded by an an instrumentum laboris, a kind of working document, which contained uh, very heterodox, even heretical statements. Uh, They were uh, so outrageously revolutionary that there were many, even in the modern hierarchy, who found grave fault and feared that if this instrumentum laboris was to be the document that was dis- discussed at the at the Synod and uh, was the f- foundation of what was going to be uh, going to be the result of the Synod. This would be very, very dire for the, uh, for the Church. Uh, we see that uh, the day before the Synod began, there was idol worship in the Vatican Gardens in the very presence of Francis, and not only in his presence, but that he was actually presented with one of the idols by uh, the shamanists who uh, directed the worship, and we also saw in the course of the synod uh, this idol worship going on in the churches, notably, notably Santa Maria and on uh, the Via della Conciliazione in front of St. Peter's, and they, these idols were carried into St. Peter's itself and were present right there uh, in front of all as they deliberated for the Amazon synod. You know that uh, they were gathered and thrown into the Tiber River. Uh, A great deal of of publicity attended this. And uh, now we have the uh, two documents. One, the closing document of the Synod, which was voted on by those present, and this recent document of Francis. The final document of the Synod, which summed up its own findings and recommendations, was issued on October 26th of the year 2019 and uh, this uh, statement of Francis now in which he, as I say, magisterially decreed or uh, gave an exhortation called an Apostolic Exhortation with regard to the Synod uh, was issued February 2nd, actually. And so um, we, we look at the the history of the development of this post synodal apostolic exhortation of Francis, uh, entitled Querida Amazonia, and uh, which literally means, well, dear Amazon, right? And begins in the English translation with the words, the beloved Amazon region. That this uh, statement actually caused an enormous amount of consternation to some, disappointment for some, on the other hand, uh, a great deal of relief for others. Why? Because there were dire warnings as the date approached for this uh, apostolic exhortation of Francis to be issued, Uh, there were dire warnings among the conservatives in the new order that this statement of Francis was going to formalize and institutionalize uh, married priesthood, do away with celibacy, uh, was going to create deaconesses. Uh, there were warnings coming out uh, almost daily about how revolutionary this document of Francis was going to be. Now, here at what Catholics believe, we didn't jump on the bandwagon and predict what the statement was going to was going to say. <clears throat> the reason why. Uh, I did not jump on the bandwagon when so many others were predicting dire consequences is because uh, I knew we're dealing with modernists and modernists can be very crafty and so they can craft a message (laughs) depending on the need or the perceived need at the time and it would certainly discredit served to discredit a lot of the conservative voices in the new church in the Novus Ordo if the document Uh, came out and had a very different tone, and they were proven wrong. And so it happened that uh, when the document did appear, this apostolic exhortation of Francis, and did not have explicit calls for uh, married priesthood, it did not uh, condemn celibacy or dispense with celibacy. It did not uh, really deal with the whole question of the viri probati. the the approved men, married men who were called to ministry, notably priesthood, it did not talk about um, ordaining women as deaconesses. There were those who were not only left with egg on their faces, but they were wondering what to make of it because it seemed to be such an about face. The reactions range from great relief. Uh, The Wall Street Journal even carried an article uh, columns entitled, Well, the Pope is Catholic After All. Other conservative websites were saying, Oh, we accomplished by our prayers, turning the Holy Father away from this from this plan to dispense with celibacy. There was even a book that was supposedly co-authored by uh, Cardinal Sarah with uh, Benedict XVI, although that was disputed afterwards, of course, with regard to the need for celibacy and how important it was to guard it. But we have to remember, though, that uh, this entire synod was not really about celibacy or doing away with celibacy. Not at all. And those who are trying to make that the fundamental issue of this Amazonian synod are really on the wrong track, so much so that they've missed the whole point. Um, In any case, It's uh, certainly worth the effort now to take a look at Francis's Corrida Amazonia, his apostolic exhortation, to understand what it really means and and where the new order is going from here. Uh, Francis begins, they say, in the English translation with the words, the beloved Amazon region stands before the world in all its splendor. And so he continues this apostolic exhortation in a kind of poetic fashion. But let me to read the opening paragraphs of this so you can understand that his exhortation does not really ignore the question of celibacy. It doesn't really ignore the question that was raised by the working document about the Viri probati and ordaining married men it doesn't ignore the question of ordaining women deaconesses rather we can say it it doesn't even defer the question he answers the question within the first few paragraphs it's just that there are some of those who haven't noticed the significance of how he opens this exhortation there are others who caught it right away see if you can catch this the significance of this exhortation Two, during the Synod, I listened, this is Francis speaking now, during the Synod, I listened to the presentations and read with interest the reports of the discussion groups. In this exhortation, I wish to offer my own response to this process of dialogue and discernment. I will not go into all of the issues treated at length in the final document, nor do I claim to replace that text or to duplicate it. I wish merely to propose a brief framework for reflection that can apply concretely to the life of the Amazon region, a synthesis of some of the larger concerns that I have expressed in earlier documents, and that can help guide us to a harmonious, creative, and fruitful reception of the entire synodal process. Now, he says something very significant there. He says it's not just this document that he's writing here, as though this is some kind of a magisterial statement that, that is going to kind of summarize everything and uh, replace everything else that went before, he's synthesizing here. And his intention is to synthesize all that has gone before in his document. So everything that he's writing here is based upon that final document. And it's very important to keep that in mind because here he is actually ratifying And he's also confirming the synodal document that was approved by the bishops of the Amazon Synod on October 26. That document, in its entirety, and with all it included, the Viri probati, the ordination of married men, the ordination of women as deaconesses, it's all spelled out. He is actually ratifying and confirming all of that right from the very beginning here. He continues with number three, at the same time I would like to officially present the final document, which sets forth the conclusions of the Synod, which profited from the participation of many people who know better than myself or the Roman Curia, the problems and issues of the Roman of the Amazon region. <clears throat> since they lived there, they experienced his suffering, and they love it passionately. I have preferred not to cite the final document in this exhortation because I would encourage everyone to read it in full. Again, you see his point. He even goes so far as to say there are those who know much better than he or the Roman Curia about the Amazon, about the needs of the Amazon, and so on that's very significant, that he's actually attributing a greater knowledge and understanding to others who live in the Amazon than he who is considered to be the supreme pontiff and his curia should know. And this is a statement of the church, a magisterial statement. Supposedly, as a Vatican spokesman came out afterwards and said that while the final document of the synod Of October 26th was not magisterial. This apostolic exhortation of Francis is magisterial. And yet he starts out, Francis starts out the document by saying that in the final document, where is reflected the knowledge, reflected the knowledge of those who actually live in the Amazon, they actually have a greater understanding of the needs and the issue of the Amazon than he does or His bishops, cardinals, who are members of the Curia. There's an admission here, again, which bodes ill for what comes next. He says he's not even going to cite, he's not even going to quote from the document, the final document. But it's not because he's dismissing it, quite the contrary. He says, because I want you to go and read the whole thing and take it all in. He is actually, again, as I say, endorsing and ratifying and confirming that that final document as though that is what we actually have to go by. There you have the radical recommendations. Francis doesn't even have to mention them here. All he has to say is go back to the final document of the synod, read that, and that's what's coming. That's what we're going to do. So in any case, Francis then, by the way, goes on, into dreamland, as it were. And I mean that in a sense, literally, because he says that he's going to offer his dreams, dreams for the, for the Amazon region. That's the title in English for the next section, dreams for the Amazon region. Francis says that he is going to offer four great dreams that the Amazon region inspires in him. Now this is rather curious, here we have an apostolic exhortation in which he's going to actually propose, he says, dreams, his dreams. Curious that we, now we're talking about magisterial dreams of Francis. There was a time when he said that every time he speaks it's magisterium. Now he indicates <laughs> that even his dreams are magisterial. And this kind of harkens back to uh, Martin Luther King, I Have a Dream. This is Francis' sort of equivalent of that. And his dream is of the Amazonian region. And he gives these four dreams. He says, I dream of an Amazon region that fights for the rights of the poor, the original peoples, and the least of our brothers and sisters, where their voices can be heard and their dignity advanced. I dream of an Amazon region that can preserve its distinctive cultural riches where the beauty of our humanity shines forth in so many varied ways. I dream of an Amazon region that can jealously preserve its overwhelming natural beauty and the superabundant life teeming in its rivers and forests. I dream of Christian communities, the last of his dreams. I dream of Christian communities capable of generous commitment incarnate in the Amazon region and giving the church new faces with Amazonian features. These are Francis's four dreams. So he actually goes on then to develop these four dreams one by one. He talks about uh, this social dream to begin with. And then he goes on, and, and there's a great deal of poetry that goes into this too as he's reading this. So it really does have kind of the, a dreamlike character to it. And, uh, one can read the, um, the outline of this. And, uh, but here I turn the pages to chapter two, a cultural dream. And again, he's uh, citing poetry about the Amazon region. Um, sometimes he actually has a lead in with a scriptural statement that is misapplied. Uh, completely in a naturalistic way, when the scriptural statement actually is divine revelation, about the salvation of souls, and faith, hope, and charity. St. Saint Pl- Saint, uh, rather Francis wants to make it something purely naturalistic. Chapter 3, he devotes to the ecological dream. And then he goes on, finally, to the fourth dream of his, which uh, actually gets into the realm of what is the church, his church, going to do about this, and what effect, what an impact it's going to have on the future of Francis's own church. And uh, it is here that he actually gives us the next chapter. I just have to find it here that he turns from his ecological dream where he talks about fungi and, uh, and such things. He talks about an ecclesial dream. This is a rather large section of his apostolic exhortation, his ecclesial dream. And here's where he talks about what he expects the church is going to do, uh, the church of the Novus Ordo is going to do with these dreams, and how he's going to realize the dream of Christian communities. It's interesting to note how absolutely ecumenical he is. I mean, he tries to speak in terms of our Lord being the the one true Redeemer. That's true, he does here. But the idea of Christ's redemption is very much falsified. And not only that, but uh, Francis even is talking about uh, not only entering into meaningful dialogue with Amazonian elders about their ancestral wisdom, pagan wisdom, and even incorporating that into Catholic theology, well, Novus Ordo theology, and worship. <clears throat> but he's talking about entering into meaningful dialogue with the non-Catholic Protestants there working in the Amazon, and uh, basically he refers to them all working together to create some kind of a, 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 a amorphous Christian community of some kind there. And uh, one can read this document. You'll find when you read this document, it is a repetition. It is simply a, a almost hypnotic repetition of the same phrases over and over and over again. The integral ecology and the conversion, the social conversion, the spiritual conversion, ecological conversion, over and over again, this constant repetition of the same idea. I guess in order to produce a document that... Uh, could be actually summed up in in one paragraph or or even just a matter of a few sentences. You have to do that. You have to make a document out of it by repeating it over and over and again. As I say, basically, and hypnotically, so that one comes to the end of paragraphs, one comes to the end of sections, and has no clear idea of what this actually means. But that's characteristic of modernism. This is a hallmark of modernists themselves. They use verbiage, and uh, the sheer volume of verbiage somehow gives one the impression that he must have said something. I have no idea what it is, but it must say something very deep. If I read it, and it doesn't make sense to me, and I don't have any clear idea of what he meant, it must be not that what he's saying is, is vacuous. It must be that I'm not intelligent enough to grasp the depth of the thought. This is what modernists rely on but we have to simply face the reality that it is vacuous, that the document is vacuous. The, the, you can't even call it theology. It is, it is not even philosophy. It is just vacuous verbalizing is all it is. Now, I don't intend to get into an analysis of this document in any depth, because that really isn't necessary right now, because he's already told you that in this apostolic acceptation, He's just writing about his dreams. There's nothing magisterial about this under any circumstances. Even if it were written by St. Pius X himself, it could not possibly be magisterial. He's just talking about his wish list for the Amazon. So this is what the modernists have given you in the place of magisterium. But I want to point out what he himself makes very clear in this in this Apostolic Exhortation, Querida Amazonia, Querida Amazonia is that, um, first of all, this is not really about celibacy, it never was. And those who wish to make the Amazon Synod about celibacy, and though that is the main point, they're, they're, really, they're really getting off the point. If one reads the, the Instrumentum Laboris, which was the working document, one sees that, yes, recommendations were made that uh, the viri probati, uh, worthy men or approved men who are married men, uh, be ordained to the, to the priesthood and uh, women, married women, become deaconesses. One has to see the reason why those recommendations were made. And then one sees the real point behind all of this the working document, all the discussion at the Amazon Synod itself, and, yes, the final document of October 26th, and this Apostolic Exhortation of Francis, February 2nd, <coughs> they're all about the same thing. They're about enculturation. The Novus Ordo Mass, the Novus Ordo Liturgy, the New Order Liturgy, which is sometimes referred to as the simply the New Mass of Paul VI, was created, was crafted so that it could be a, a fertile bed for enculturation of pagan elements, non-Christian elements. It was crafted precisely to be that plastic, so that it could be twisted and turned, and it could be uh, infected with cultural elements of pagan societies. In fact, Vatican II called for this enculturation process, and um, the new mass which was crafted after vatican ii and presented by paul VI after vatican ii was designed to follow suit with what was called for at vatican ii for enculturation that is bringing in non-christian elements into worship in the in the modern the new order church that's what the new mass is really all about that's what this synod is all about and so even though we have those who are, who are saying uh, even, even producing this book on celibacy as though we are going to draw the line here we're going to support celibacy and we're going to make it very clear Francis is not able to do away with celibacy they missed really the essential point the idea of paganizing the worship in the Novus Ordo the idea of bringing in other elements, foreign elements, alien elements, contrary elements to Christianity, and sullying the worship uh, with pagan imagery, pagan ritual, pagan ceremony, pagan mystical ideas and uh, myths, and so on. This is what it's all about. So when when we see Francis, for example, carrying the witch's stain, into the Synodon Youth, uh, a witch's stang that was presented to him by a young lady wearing the, the red bracelets of, of, of the Kabbalah and witchcraft, and she's presenting it to him. This is not in any way an anomaly. This fits perfectly with the whole idea. Francis is actually enculturating. He's enculturing the litur- liturgy before our very eyes, the Novus Ordo liturgy of the new Mass, is being enculturated by Francis when he brings these things in. When they bring the Pachamamas in, uh, the pagan idols, this is in fact what this is all about, enculturating the liturgy with these symbols and with these elements. That's what it's all about. The reason why they talked about ordaining married men, the reason why they talked about making deacons out of married women, is because they said in the working document, that these married men carry the lore and the mythology and the ancient wisdom of the, what but, but they like to call the original peoples. It's, the idea is ridiculous. They're not the relig- original peoples who lived in the Amazon region, obviously. Uh, indigenous peoples who were there when the missionaries arrived, you can call them indigenous peoples. And to say that the original peoples there is, is really gratuitous. But nonetheless, the point remains what it is. <laughs> the idea is, though, that we want to uh, ordain these married men because they carry the ancient wisdom of the rituals, the ceremonies, and the the mythology of the ancients, of their ancient pagan civilizations, their ancient uh, pagan beliefs. And the same with the women. Uh, In the working document, it said, the women teach the children the songs, uh the ancestral songs which convey the mythology and so on. and so you want to ordain these women, deaconesses so that they can actually conduct these liturgies, lead these liturgies with the inculturated incorporated pagan ceremonies, pagan rituals, pagan beliefs. This is why they wanted to ordain the married people because they carry that pagan culture and the elements of the pagan culture into the worship, into the minds of the children, and now they will be able to lead them in worship with these same elements and perpetuate these elements, not only in the minds of the children, in the culture of the people, but even in the worship. This is not going to um, bring, to baptize, as it were, these pagan elements, what it's going to do is paganize whatever Christian elements were there. That's what you're going to have. You're going to wind w- up with a paganized Christianity with very few vestiges of Christianity, in which the very notion of Christ himself is being sacrificed. We shouldn't be surprised, then, when Francis calls for a church with an Amazonian face. What he's really doing is, is he facing the image of Christ? and bringing in the, uh, the 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 paganism of old exactly what the missionaries came to eradicate with a true faith and hope and love for god francis now wants to reinstate and he wants to eradicate real catholic faith from these people how tragic how tragic so this is actually what francis says is going to take place. He's actually given the signal to go ahead with what is contained in the final document of the synod. He starts out this apostolic exhortation by, by saying exactly that. Go ahead. This is where, this is where it's at, as it were. This is what I'm saying we need to do. Follow what you said on October 26th. The synod was all about. I'm endorsing that now and I'm giving you the green light to go ahead and bring that into existence. Um, so those who are congratulating each other that they have succeeded in w- w- warding off this disaster are actually congratulating themselves over the confirmation of the disaster and the call for this revolution to be applied to the souls of the people who would be Catholics, but now they're going to be set upon with this uh, repaganization of their of their of their people, how, how tragic! There are actually priests in the Amazon, working in the Amazon, who are protesting this and saying, "This is what this." You're actually calling for the destruction of the Catholic faith in the Amazon, what remains of it, and the paganization now, the repaganization of the Amazon. there are actually Amazonian priests who are, who are coming out and saying this, but no one is hearing them, it seems. So, in any case. There is one final implication to all of this that again, is very sinister. I've never heard any, I have not heard anyone mention this, oddly enough, but I, I believe it is true. You know, in the beginning of this apostolic exhortation, where Francis says, "I'm not going to quote from the final document of the Synod. I want you to read the whole thing. Here I am, I'm, I'm making formal, he says, I'm uh, making this reception of the entire synodal process here by my apostolic exhortation and I am formally presenting, officially presenting the final document and the conclusions of the synod to you. Offered by people who have much greater knowledge of this matter than I myself or my curia. He's actually submitting his apostolic exhortation to another magisterium he's actually saying that this final document that was produced after all this consultation with the, uh, the indigenous peoples of the Amazon that that actually has more authority than what he has to say here in this apostolic exhortation he is bowing down before this final document and offering nothing but his dreams in this apostolic exhortation. Do you know what this means for the so-called synodal path or synodal process or the synodal way that he's talking about? He's actually setting the stage for future synods to basically have their own magisterial authority such that his statement that comes afterwards is sort of like a postscript, whereby he simply presents the findings and the work of the synod to the people, to say, okay, this is what we're going to do now. And uh, so he's, he's proposing this synod, this this synodal way of his, as being now the ultimate authority, which is going to determine the way forward, the path, the synodal path that they're going to follow. This is, uh, again, not Catholic, quite the contrary. It is absolutely opposed to anything Catholic, the way that our Lord Jesus Christ founded his church, this is not it. We need to understand what we're dealing with here in modernism. Francis is the quintessential modernist. He is the perfect modernist, straight out of the pages of Pashendi, of St. Pius X, in which he condemned by the encyclical Pashendi Domini greges in 1907 the errors of the modernists. Indeed, this is exactly what St. Pius X warned us against, the errors of the modernists. I ask you to please pray for Francis. He has a soul too. You can pray for his conversion, but it would be a matter of conversion. He clearly does not have the Catholic faith. He doesn't conceive of the Church or the papacy or anything else as a Catholic, would and must to be Catholic. We have to pray for those who are following, blindly following this, Even those who are congratulating themselves that somehow they warded off disaster because Francis did not openly call for ordaining married men, as though that was the point at issue here. It's not. It's the insistence coming from Vatican II on the infection of divine worship with paganism, what they call inculturation. That is the foul thing that we're witnessing here. My dear people, uh, it is really a matter now of being faithful to the church and being faithful to Christ by following the traditional Catholic faith. The church has always said that this is what must be done in times of confusion when times of disorientation hold fast to the traditions of the faith. Do not change. That is the Catholic thing to do. And so the answer is not to cling to Vatican II or those to cling to those who cling to Vatican II. The answer is to return to the practice of the traditional Catholic faith in the traditional Catholic religion with the traditional Roman rite of mass as the Church has given to us over the centuries and to return to the the reception of the traditional rites of the sacraments and uh, to follow the traditional Catholic moral, moral principles, as the Church has given us throughout all of these centuries. That is what we must do now, to be faithful to Christ and to remain Catholic. So I ask you please to uh, think very seriously about whether you're going to, to follow this synodal path of Francis or whether you are going to be Catholics. May God bless you.